Hey, what is up, everybody? It's me again. You just saw me, but here I am again. Uh, hey, real quick. So uh, we got a chance to hear uh, Norcross and Hamilton Mill give some love here to Midtown. But Midtown, let's give some love uh, and welcome all of Victory and to join us today. Hey, big deal. We actually got people all around the world who are joining with us today. Now, I know some of you are like, hey, in Norcross, you're like, what's the deal? I'm looking at this on a big screen. I'm used to him being in the room right now. Well, here's the deal. This is what everybody else sees. <laughs> so now you get to see what it's like. Now, that's not, a, that's not a bad thing because we're all in this together. We actually think about that. What are the times that all of Victory needs to hear this together? So there, especially at Norcross, I'm going to tell you the same thing Pastor Mo tells you. It's time to lean in. Lean, now do it with me. Lean in. No, come on. So you're getting fully engaged with what God is doing here today. Hey, uh, so here's the deal, guys. I don't know if you have been here for 20 minutes or you have been here for 20 years. I know we got di different people in the room. You're new from the community, especially here in Midtown. And uh, we just want to welcome you. We're so excited about what God is doing here at Victory, right? To uh, build families, to transform our communities, to even reconcile the cultures. If you are new with us, here's one of the cool things about Victory. We actually have 100 142 different nations, nationalities represented within the church. Come on, that's something that we can celebrate, especially in this day, in this age of division. When everybody's divided about everything, right, we're actually united under the name of Jesus. And even it's out of this house that we're joining together to impact the nations. And so uh, here's the cool thing. Now, Midtown, you can actually see it on your walls. You see it there in Hamilton Mill. You see it there in Norcross. These are the things that God has called us to do as a people, as a church. And especially if you're new with us, let me be the first one to tell you this. Maybe you haven't heard anybody say this to you yet, is that I believe you were made for something great. Come on, I believe that you were made for something great. I believe that you are made in the image of God. The Imago Dei is stamped upon your life. That means that God put his, his gifts, his callings, his passions, his abilities, his heart for justice, his love for the world. He put that on the inside of every single one of us. He put it in unique and beautiful ways. And what we want to do here at Victory, we actually want to see that greatness get emancipated into the world around us. All right, no, here's the deal though. Don't get it twisted. Um, you are not great. All right, I think we would all acknowledge that. We've all got some issues, right? But God is great, right? And God's the one who put his, his image, his beauty, his goodness, his greatness on the inside of us. And it's our dream to get what God put in us, out of us, for his glory in the world around us. That's what we want to see. And so what we've been doing very aggressively, if I can even say it like that, um, over this last year, we've been trying to ruthlessly eliminate anything that would um, keep us from charging boldly forward into the future that God has for us, right? What we want to, we want to see this beauty get emancipated in our life. So we believe this next year, aggressively, we're going to start letting our light shine. We're going to really start loving the world around us. We're going to really start seeing those dreams and passions that are in us get out of us for God's glory in the world around us. So what we've been attacking this year is anything that would keep us from doing that. So we've been tackling topics like offense and prayer and father issues and family issues and money. I mean, you know, it's okay to talk about money in church. Some of you, are, we actually just finished that series. So some of you are like, woo, first week, that was close. 
But we've, we've been tackling anything that would keep us from moving forward into the future that God has for us. Jesus said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Anything that would keep us from that, we've been trying to attack that thing. And so today, here's what we're doing. We're kind of turning the page to open up a new chapter of what it's gonna look like to boldly move forward into this future. What are we gonna have to attack? What are we gonna have to attack that's keeping us from getting healthy? And so today, here's what we're gonna do. We're actually gonna start talking about the thing that we don't wanna talk about. Today, we're actually gonna start taking a look at the squiggly things under the rock. Because today, we're actually beginning to talk about what it looks like to eliminate toxic life cycles from our world. Yeah. Remember, it's the thing we don't want to talk about it, but we got to talk about it. Here's the deal, guys. How many of you sometimes feel like you're stuck on the hamster sin wheel, right? Like, like I can't, I'm just caught up in, I can't. you're stuck on sin I-285. You're just going around. You've been, been going around it for years, right? And every time you're like, that's the exit I need to take. And then you pass it and you're like, dang it, I gotta go all the way back around, right? And you're now, because you were 20 and you made the vow that by the time I'm 25, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be off this cycle, right? I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be done with this circle. Then you're 25 and you're like, well, no, no, this is when I'm 26, right? And then now it's 30, now you're like 80. <laughs> so I thought I wouldn't be here anymore. I thought I wouldn't think like this anymore. I thought I wouldn't be doing this anymore. I'm too old to be doing this. I've been a Christian for too long to be doing this. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of the guilt. I'm tired of the shame. I'm tired of the thought circles. I'm tired of sabotaging myself. I'm tired of saying I'm never going to do it again, and then I do it again. I'm tired of hurting my relationships. I'm tired of walking around numb in my soul. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of being like a zombie in my life with God. I'm tired of that. And even as I was starting to think about my own circles that I've run in through life this last week, I, God was just kind of taking me back to that. I ran in the, in the porn circle for a long time. Come on, and, when, and when you're in that circle, you think to yourself, I can stop. But then you find, you find yourself again and again and again, and you're like, how, how do I keep doing? I want to stop, but I'm not able to stop. And here's the deal, though. Some of our circles are really obvious, like the addictions and the things we're trying to stop. But how many of you know there's some things that are just as healthy, unhealthy, but they're actually more sneaky, right? Like I was caught in anger circles for a long time, right? I'm, I'm, everything's fine, and all of a sudden, fly off the handle. And I think it's an isolated incident until I turn around and start looking back and I see all the links in the chain and all the circles, they just keep happening again and again. And for a long time, I ran in the circle of what I would call people-pleasing. Anybody ever been there before where it's like, I just, I just you know, I'm just, oh, I'm just saying no to myself this one time. And what happens is year after year after year, you're just saying no to yourself. You're dying to your own dreams. You're dying to your own individuality just to become a yes person to keep the peace. But what happens is I'm slowly dying on the inside. And it's like this wicked carousel, right? The carousel from hell. Anybody ever been riding the carousel? Like, I just can't get off. Again and again and again and again. It's like wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash. Just keep running in the circle again and again and again. And you hate it, but you can't stop it. Well, if you're there, if you've ever been there, 
then I believe this. This is my prayer for you. By the time this series is over, I believe that this is God's prayer for you, is that we'd be able to say this. Philippians 3, verse 12. Here's what the apostle Paul says. He says, I'm not saying that I have it all together, guys that I haven't made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus himself. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying is this. He's saying, listen guys, I haven't arrived. I'm not where I wanna be, but thank God I'm not where I was. Come on, I haven't fully arrived in these things, but here's what I do know. I'm not stuck in the hamster wheel any longer. I've exited sin I-285. I'm, I'm, my, my, my toxic circles that I've been running in, they're broken. I haven't arrived yet, but here's what I am doing. I'm moving forward. Come on, everybody, say forward. forward. Norcross, Hamilton Mill, forward. Listen, we're moving forward forward. That's what we want to be able to say. Listen, I haven't arrived, but I'm not moving backwards anymore. I've broken the cycle and I'm moving forward. So here's the obvious question. How do we do that? How do we break the toxic life cycles? How do we stop running in circles? Now, here's the deal. If you're looking for the short, easy answer, it's Jesus. If you're looking for the short, easy answer on how do I break these cycles, it's Jesus. But here's the deal. When it comes to pain and abuse and addiction and shame, many times the answers are not quick and they are not easy. But here's what I'll tell you. The healing is possible and the healing is worth it. It's worth it. I promise you this from self-experience and from thousands of people I've talked to. The pain of staying the same is more than the pain of change. And Jesus Christ himself is our guide on this journey. He's the one who finds us stuck, running in circles, running in the hamster wheel. And by God's grace, he's the one who's going to begin setting us free today. Y'all on for the ride? Come on, you're along for the ride. Here's the deal, okay. I'm, I'm going I'm to read you a story, okay? And it's probably the longest story I've ever read from, from the platform. Um, but we're going to take a journey, Okay. And so I'm going to read this uh, all, all at once, and then we're going to begin unpacking it. So pay attention as we kind of pace through this story. This real-life story is not just like a, a verbal imaginary story. This actually happened. Jesus sat down here in John chapter 4. Here, here, let's catch up with the story. So Jesus left Judea. And he went back once more to Galilee. So here at the very beginning, lots of geography. Pay attention. You may not even know where it is, but just kind of pay attention to these places. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon. Pay attention, noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said this to her. He said, will you give me a drink? Now the little note is his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So he's there by himself. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Here's the note, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living 
water. This is such an interesting phrase, living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And she asked, are you greater than our father Jacob? Which by the way, he is who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, listen, woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, very important, he said, go, Call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've actually had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped, don't you like, come on, come on. You ever, you ever been confronted on something then you change the subject? Uh, totally relevant to the, to the conversation. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And closing the conversation down, the woman said this. I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Whew, it's the word of the Lord. Okay, that's a lot to unpack. Let's just be honest about that. But here's, here's the deal. Let's just start walking through it just for a second because there's some really important stuff to hear that happens even at the very beginning. There's some really important geography right off the top because here's the deal, especially if you're here with us in Atlanta, we're separated thousands of miles away, thousands of years later. We don't know places like Judea and Samaria, but here's what's happening, all right? Is that Jesus, it says, left Judea to go back up to Galilee in the Northern part of the country there. And to do that, very key phrasing, it said, he had to go through Samaria. So what's happening is in the previous chapter, John 3, right? John 3, Jesus meets with Nicodemus. That's where he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's John 3, 16, right? So he does that in Jerusalem and now he's headed north, okay? So we actually uh, put this little map together here so you can kind of see it. It's, it's a little small, but you get the idea, okay? So down here at the bottom, you see Jesus begins in Jerusalem. You see the red arrow, right? And so the surrounding area, Jerusalem's the city, the surrounding area is called Judea. All right, this is actually Acts 1.8. Um, Jesus says, you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It's geographic circles moving out. This is actually where we get um, the vision pieces that we put up here on the wall. So Jesus is moving north, right? From Jerusalem out to the surrounding countryside of Judea and all the way up that inland body of water. There's the Sea of Galilee. You see Nazareth moving up into the Galilee. But what you notice here very, very quickly is Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. Do you notice that? There's something called turning right. And here's the deal. 
most Jews of this time would actually go around Samaria on their journey from south to north or north to south. Why? Because the Jews hated the Samaritans. They would just rather avoid them, right? Because here's, here's what happened is that, that the Jews had actually gotten sent away, brought back, and then intermarried with all these non-Jews. And so the Jews, the true Jews actually viewed the Samaritans in that area as this kind of like religious, racial, drama-filled people, right? And so what they would rather do, I'd just rather avoid them altogether and walk around these guys. Now, here's the deal. Before you judge the Jews, we do the same thing. Come on, somebody. You, you, you ever seen an EGR person? Extra grace required? <laughs> Come on, you, you saw them on the way in today? You saw them in the parking lot? You're going to see them on your way out today? They're going to be in the lobby? And you're going to see them, and you're going to know the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, but that would mean I'd have to walk right by that person. Nah, man. Nah, man. I'm having a drama-free day, right? And so you're going to go around. You're going to circumnavigate you're going to pull out your phone and be like, oh, I am so busy right now. I just, right? And you're just avoid. You ever tried to just avoid? Because you know, drama, drama, drama. I don't like that person. She know what she did, right? And she's going to walk up in here and act like everything's fine, right? Like we, we, all that tension is running in the background, right? But it says that Jesus had to go to Samaria. Listen, guys. How many of you are glad that Jesus doesn't go around messy people? Jesus goes to messy people. Listen, how many of you are glad that Jesus doesn't go around your issues? Jesus goes to your issues. Jesus is not too busy for you. He doesn't see you coming and is like, oh, I got, no, no, I got other things to do. There's a pope over here and I got to go talk to the pastor over here. No, he said, I, I, I got enough time for you and you and you. And he says, there's actually this woman who I need to go spend some time and what we're doing here in John 3 and John 4, we're actually learning some of Jesus' character. Maybe you're new to this thing called Christianity. Maybe you don't know much about Jesus. And what John 3 and John 4, it actually gives us some insight into, into who God is and how God thinks. Right? Because in John 3, Jesus is spending time with Nicodemus, who's like the religious elite, like the, the top of the top. right? And then in John 4, he's going to spend time with a shame-filled woman. Right? And so what he's showing us actually is that Jesus loves the up and in and Jesus loves the down and out. And listen, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you find yourself today. You, you could be the, in the upper elite. You could be in the, the top income bracket, the top religious group, right? You could be in the pol political sphere, the business sphere. You can be the up and in or you can be the down and out or anywhere in between. And what Jesus is saying is, I love you too. I love you too. And in John 3, and this God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? What Jesus actually says is, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world because the world was already condemned, right? I came into the world to save sinners. So here's the deal. John 3, Jesus is telling us that he came to save sinners. John 4, Jesus is showing us that he came to save sinners. And so Jesus goes and he sits down at a well in Samaria, 
right? It's a different time. It's a different culture. There's no running water, right? No running water. Like this is, this is a different world than we find. Our, listen, every single one of us, for the most part, probably, right, can go home today and turn on the, the faucet. They, there was no faucet. They had to come this way. This is the only place to get water. This is the only place to get safe water. Is the only place they can come. This is a different world. In fact, this is why even Victory Still Today partners with missionaries around the world to dig wells in places so that it actually literally saves the life of that community. And Jesus comes to this place, and it's at the town well where we're first introduced to this Samaritan woman, this Samaritan woman who comes here to draw water. And it's here that we meet this woman who I would say she's the, if I can say it like this, she's the patron saint of everybody who's ever said, I'll never do it again. And then you do it again. Uh, Little known fact, in the Hebrew, um, it actually talks about the fact that she, uh, in high school, was voted most likely to always have a boyfriend. And she's the person who everybody who self-sabotages can probably most closely identify with. And our first clue is this, guys. Our first clue is when she's coming to the well, right? Because women at that time would go early because, again, this is, a, this is an arid region. And so the sun starts scorching in the middle of the day. And so most of the women would go at like 6 o'clock in the morning, but she's there at noon, why? why? Why is she going by herself? Why is she alone? Why is she isolated? And then Jesus starts this conversation with her, right? And he just simply asks her for a drink, but all of a sudden she's giving all this pushback. Why? Because there are a thousand reasons why they shouldn't be having this conversation. All right, right, because um, uh, Jews didn't talk to Samaritans because men didn't talk to women, like in public. Did you know that? Like in that culture, it, it actually in that culture, married men would not talk to their wives in public. Some of you are like, that's my life already. I know. No, <laughs> no, but culture is taboo. You just didn't do it. Right. And, and now, now not only that, but they're there alone. Scandal right in the middle of the day. They're like half a mile, a mile outside the village. And it's a Jewish man, Samaritan woman talking to each other alone. And this woman is like looking around and it goes against every single cultural uh, uh, rule. And she's actually kind of saying this, Jesus, are you, are you really sure you want to talk to me? And it's with this woman. Here's what the thing that I love, this detail that I love. It's with this woman that Jesus actually has his longest recorded conversation in the entire Bible. He loves her that much. Why? Why does he have that long of a conversation? Because some things just take time. Listen, I don't know how long you've been in church world but you've probably discovered this. There are some things that just can't be prayed off at the end of a service. Some things just have to be loved off over time. And Jesus loves us enough to sit down and take time. 
So this conversation kicks off, right? And there's this sense at first of like, where is this going, right? Because Jesus is talking about water. He's talking about living water. He's talking about wells and eternal life and all this sort of stuff. But then Jesus pulls the curtain back on the whole story. And he actually says, hey, guys, here, here's, here's the deal. This is actually what's lying right underneath the tension underneath all of these words when he says this. Hey, go get your husband. And to that, everybody in town was like, oh, snap. Oh, Jesus know what she did, <laughs> right? Like, like every, because they all knew. And they're like, how did Jesus know? And so Jesus says, hey, go get your husband. And she replies, well, I don't have a husband. Well, that's true. You ever, you ever try and tell white lies to people? You're like, this statement by itself is true. Just don't ask me any questions about it, <laughs> right? This is, if you go deeper than this, you're gonna find out I wasn't really telling the truth. Hey, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Actually, you're right. You really don't have a husband because you've already had five husbands and you kind of gave up on it because now the guy you're with, number six, uh, you're actually sleeping with him and staying over at his house. So actually what you said is really true. Um, you're not married. And what we learn in here really quickly is this. Jesus knows your junk. Come on, somebody. It does you no good to hide your sin, your mess, your shame from Jesus because he knows it already. And so this whole story starts coming into focus. All the details start making sense now. And what Jesus says, he opens up this beautiful parallel, right, between thirst of the body and thirst of the soul. He's a master communicator. Jesus is the master of every good preacher, right? He's the father of every good preacher. He's the, he doesn't have anything to do with the bad preachers. Like he's the father of the good preachers. And what he does, he starts speaking language that hits on two different levels. The thirst of the body, the thirst of the soul, the, 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 the physical, the spiritual. And here's what he says. He said, actually, if you had asked me, I would have given you living water. Now, here's the deal. He didn't just pluck that concept out of nowhere. This idea of living water was actually a well-known term at that time because living water was this. Maybe you've seen that phrase in the Bible. If you read the Bible, maybe you've seen that phrase before. Living water is actually water that moves. So especially in an arid region, water that moved, water that cool water in a brook, in a, in a stream, in a river, it had movement to it. That's called living water. It's very different than dead water, the type of water you would find in a dark, warm well. And so what Jesus does, he starts contrasting these two things. And what he's actually saying is this, woman, the water that you're drinking from, it's gross, it's warm, it's dead, but the water that I offer you, it's fresh, it's clean, and it leads to life. The water that you're drinking leads to death, but the water that I offer you leads to life. And in response to that, the woman says probably the most beautiful, the most self-identifying thing that we could ever say. I think it's the most powerful statement said here in this entire interaction in John 4. Here's what she says to the offer of living water in verse 15. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Give me the water so I won't have to keep coming here to the well again to get water. And what she does in that statement, she gives not only her physical geography, she gives her spiritual geography. And what she's saying is this, Jesus, here's the problem. I get thirsty, so I come to the well to drink. 
But here's what I found out. As much as I drink, I'm still thirsty. And I don't like coming here because everybody knows my mess. They all know I've been married five times. They all know I'm a handful. They all know that I'm needy. They all know that I've always been around a guy. They, they all know that. They all, and they all talk about it. It's just easier for me to come at noon. But I've been coming here for years. And I drink over and over again. But I'm still thirsty. In fact, my trips to the well are almost like my trips to men. And I've been running in that circle for years and I had this thought after the first one that maybe the next one would fix what the first one couldn't. And when the second one didn't work out, I thought maybe the third one could actually meet the needs that the first and the second one couldn't, but then came number four and then came number five, and I've just been drinking, but I'm still thirsty. And after five, I just kind of gave up on it. And I was like, this whole marriage thing, there's nothing to it, but I still need a man. And so now I'm living with number six, but Jesus, I'm still thirsty. And they're not meeting whatever's happening on the inside of me. But here's the deal. I don't want to be at the well anymore. I want to stop coming here. And so if you have a water that's better than what I've been drinking, give me this water so that I'll never be thirsty again. Because guys, I don't know if you understand this. I don't know if you know this. We've talked about this from time to time here at Victory. But here's how we'd say it. there are four basic human needs that every single one of us has. And these are like umbrella needs, acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. So underneath every single one of those, there's, there's kind of um, needs, other needs that kind of make up these, these categories. So you would say acceptance, um, intimacy, longing for companionship falls in that acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. We're gonna crack those open over the next few weeks, but here's the idea. Here's what we have to understand here if we're gonna move forward is this. Those are all legitimate needs, but if we do not meet those needs in God, we're going to go looking to meet those needs in the world. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna say it again. If we do not get those needs met in God, we will go looking to meet those needs in the world because those are legitimate needs. But if we do not get, listen, legitimate needs met in legitimate ways, then we will try and meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. And we will try and numb our pain. We will try and excite our mind. We'll try and meet this inner thirst on the inside of us by any means necessary. But I need you to know this. We have to know that we have to come to a big yes on this right now, is that nothing in the world can ultimately meet our needs. Now, I know you're like, wow, that's a big pick-me-up. Thanks, Pastor. No, the good news is this. Everything you've been feeling is right because you've been trying to meet those needs, and it's not working. And you think that you're the only one who's broken, and you don't understand everybody's broken. Everybody, come on, somebody, you're going to be on Instagram. Maybe some of you are on Instagram right now. Get off Instagram. Listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> you're going to be on Instagram later, 
And you're going to be like, look at that person. They've got it all together. And you don't realize they have seven filters on. (laughs) They polish the blurb, the description, right? To make it look like I'm perfectly happy. And you don't understand that they're running to the bottle tonight. Because they're not happy. Because nothing in this world can meet the deepest needs inside our heart. But here's the deal. We think that they can, so we go searching. And we search again and again and again and again. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. So we're looking for identity, right? Like you were, let, let me say it like this. You were made to know who you are. You were made to have an established, unmovable, not based on emotion, identity. True, bottom line truth, identity of who you are. But when you don't know, you're going to run to Oprah. Drink, 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 drink. Oh, that didn't work. Oprah didn't have what I needed today. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go read my horoscope. Do, 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 do. Ah, that was loaded stuff. Hey, I'm going to, hey, Tony Robbins seminar. That's what I'm going to do. He's going to tell me who I am. That didn't work. And what we're doing, we're crying out that maybe one day I'll finally be somebody. Right? Or acceptance, identity, security, purpose. Purpose. You understand. You were made to know why you're alive. You were made to know why you were given life. If you do not have that rooted in God, you will go looking for it everywhere else. And so what you're going to do, you're going to try and climb the corporate ladder. Right? Because I, 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 I got I to gotta accomplish something. And, and so, you know, I started out working minimum wage. That wasn't enough. So I quit that job and I went to school and I got the stuff. And then I got the degree and I went back because I'm going to do something in this world. And then I got the job and that wasn't enough. So I quit that job and I changed careers. And now I'm getting the PhD in this. And I'm going to go do that over there. And what happened now, maybe I can get the, the business card. Maybe I can get the title because one day I'm going to do something that really matters. And we're stuck in that circle trying to scratch that itch of the soul. Listen, guys, no no accomplishment can ever scratch the itch of the soul. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. We're thirsty for acceptance. You understand this. Listen, you were made for intimacy. Do you know that? I'm not talking about sex. I'm saying you were made to be accepted and embraced and known for more than the shell on the outside. You were made for that. But when you don't have that in God, you will go looking for that in the world. And this is why there's a long line of sexual partners for some of us, because we keep going back to that well. We keep going back to the website. Maybe the website, maybe the people on the website The porn site, maybe they'll finally accept me. No, that didn't work, but I find myself going back to it again. I find myself going back to it again. Well, maybe maybe I just need a person, right? And then the person, well, that didn't work, and I divorced them because they couldn't meet my needs. And so now I'm going to go, no, well, here's what I really, I need need another wife. I need another husband because they can meet my needs. But what happens when they can't meet your needs? Well, it's their fault. It's their fault. And then I'm getting married a third time. Now I get some, I'm just, I'm done with marriage because marriage doesn't fix anything, but I'm still thirsty. So I'm going to go to a man. I'm going to go to the woman. I'm going to go to the site, whatever it is, because maybe one day I'll finally meet somebody who loves me for more than this. They love me deep down in my soul. And I got to tell us, guys, I got to remind us, any well we try to drink from outside of Jesus will never satisfy us. But there is one who will satisfy us. 
And what he wants to do, he wants to keep us from the trap of going back to the same dry well again and again and again and again. And and, and it seems like it should work, so we keep going back to it. But here's what happens. One day, we realize that we can't stop going back to it. Right, because when we start sinning, we're in control. We can, we can call the shots, and then what happens at some point, we, we find out that we're actually handcuffed to that well, and I can't get away from it. I keep going back to it. I can't break free. And so then we get depressed because that well should satisfy, but it doesn't satisfy, and I can't stop it. So now I have to go to another well, and so I pick up the bottle, and I numb the pain, and now I'm looking for another well, and another well, and another well. And that's why John Calvin, he said this. He said, man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols, Here's what he means when he said that, is that the human heart is an idol factory. And if there's one consistent theme of of humanity since we fell in the Garden of Eden, it was this, is that we have a repeated madness to go looking for satisfaction in dry wells. And we think that, I know the last time didn't do it, but the next time will. Come on, somebody. The last time didn't do it, but the next time will. And we find ourselves crying out like this woman at the well. Jesus, I don't like coming here anymore, but I can't stop. Come on, somebody. Are you tired of the porn circle? Are you tired of of the idol circle? Are you tired of the relationship circle? Are you tired of the anger circle? Are you tired of the alcohol circle and saying, I'll never do it again, and then you do it again? Are we tired of the, the, the seeking a promotion circle? Are we tired of the lack of intimacy, and I'm trying to get it from anybody and everybody who will get it, give it, and so I'm just like this leech on everybody. I'm so needy, and so I've got this long line of sexual partners, and I keep going around because the last one didn't, didn't feel it, but maybe the next one will. And then we do the walk of shame away from the well every single time. And it's like we're crying out to God. God, I've been drinking, but it's like I'm drinking sand. And it doesn't satisfy. I don't like coming here anymore. But Jesus, if you have the water that will actually fill what I'm looking for, then I'll stop coming to this well and I'll drink your water. See, David cries out in Psalm 63. He said, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Guys, we live in an arid environment where we look left and we look right but there's nothing can actually meet the needs in the human soul. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Guys, I, just, I need us to pick our heads up on this. Listen, I have good news for you. Nothing will satisfy your soul's cravings in this world. Not marriage, not a child, not money, Not things, not a new car, not a new house, not the vacation, not a hobby, not sex, not food, not alcohol, not a better body. Come on, you you can do CrossFit all day long. You can get plastic surgery all day long. And it's not going to scratch the itch, but God can. But God can. But God can. 
And so there's a part of this where I say, hey, nothing in this world can satisfy that. There's a desperation that comes from What are you talking about? All the wells that the world offers are dry? Yes, but there is one well that will never leave you thirsty. And here's what I love. The way that Jesus approaches this whole conversation is not how we think that God would approach this conversation. He's so kind and he's so gracious, right? Because here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, yeah, you, you know, you better be right. You're not married because you already had five. Woo, that's a lot. You better stop sleeping around before something bad happens to you. If you would just act better, the men wouldn't have left you to begin with. You actually think that God could ever love you because of all the things you've done? No. Even when the woman tries to change the conversation, Jesus is gracious. She tries to punt. She's like, I don't want to talk about that. Jesus isn't like, uh-uh, I know, I know, I know what you've done. I'm not going to let you change that. You ever like do something when you were a kid and tried to like change the topic and your parents like, come here. <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. And she says this, she says, clearly I can see you're a prophet. Um, where should we go to worship? Right? And she's trying to change the subject. And Jesus is like, you fell into my trap. Because in fact, this whole conversation is about worship. This whole conversation is about worship. And here's what she's saying. She's saying, oh, woe is me, Jesus. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what to do. Worship here, worship there. I've got so much church hurt, Jesus. People have hurt me, Jesus. I don't, I don't think I can go to church anymore, Jesus, because they gossip about me, Jesus. It's all too confusing. I just give up, Jesus. And Jesus said, listen, it's not about geographic location. It's actually about spiritual location. Because right now, the Messiah is here. So you can worship right here, right now. Listen, some of you need to hear this. The only day we worship is not Sunday. Listen, you can worship tomorrow. In fact, let me rephrase that. You will worship tomorrow. You worship on Monday, the same way we worship on Sunday, the same way we worship on Friday night, the same way we worship on Thursday and Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning. We worship, we worship. Why? Because the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive and Jesus is right there. So we don't have to wait till Sunday morning to say, wow, God's in the room. Listen, God is in any room that you're in. He's sitting at that well, and he's waiting to talk. And our response is worship. Here, what does that look like? Here's what happens in that context. I love this. This is so beautiful. Is that sitting at the well, Jesus begins that conversation, right? And he says, give me the water you drink from. And if you had asked me, I would give you living water. Here's what he's saying. You need to write this down. You need to meditate on this. This is going to undergird the, the entire few weeks that we have when we're going to be talking about this. Here's what he tells the woman. He says, if you give me your well, I'll give you my water. If you give me your well, I'll give you my water. Jesus is sitting on the well when she comes out that day. And he says, if you give me your well... I'll give you my water. What Jesus says, he says, give me what you've been drinking. Jesus asked her for, his, for her water, and he says, if you give me your water, I'm going to give you my water. And here's what he's saying. If you'll give me your pursuit of intimacy through men, I'll give you real intimacy through me. And here's what we have to understand, guys. I'm going to put it up here for you. Jesus will never take from you without offering you something better.
Come on, somebody, you need to worship God for that. You can praise God for that. Jesus will never take something from you without offering you something better. Listen, God is not saying, hey, I need you to give up the well today and your addiction today and you're, you're tied to that and you keep going back to that because there's this car cry out in our soul. If I don't have that, what do I have? God's not trying to make you miserable. God's trying to get you to stop self-sabotaging and drinking death. And he says, anything that I ask from you, it's because I have something better. I don't have plans to curse you. I have plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. And so if Jesus is asking you to give something up, it's because he has something better to give you in return. And it's what I'd say is this, and we'll close with this. The problem, guys, isn't that we want too much from Jesus. The problem is that we want too little. Here's what this woman finds out. It's not that we want to, listen, I know we may have grown up, some of you grew up going to Sunday school and you're like, well, Jesus is just about heaven. And so we've excluded Jesus from here. And so we go to him to save our soul, but we don't go to him to fill our heart. Listen, Jesus is well able. It's not that God's sitting up there being like, why do you ask me for all this stuff? What he's saying is ask me for more. Expect more from me because I can do it. And anything I ask from you, it's because I want to give you something better. So what's the path? Listen, what's the path out of the toxic circles? How do we begin breaking the, 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 the circles that we've been running in? Listen, we're going we're gonna to dissect that and talk about that over the next few weeks. But here's, here's the path. Here's where it begins today. Here's where it begins. The path to true freedom begins with true worship. You're going to worship in spirit and truth. What does that mean? is that my heart has to make the decision today that this well that I've been drinking from is dry. It doesn't work. It doesn't fill me. I make a decision in my heart that I reject this cycle. It's leading me to pain. It's leading me to depression. It's leading me to isolation. It's hurting my relationships. It's hurting my relationship with God. And today I choose Jesus. If you want to know, what is worship? Yes, it's singing and all that. That's just kind of what we call it, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Here's what true worship is. True worship is making the decision that I'm going to go to Jesus to drink. It's saying that he's the one who can meet my needs. It's saying that he's the one who's, who can fill me and heal me and set me free. Why? Because he's alive. The tomb is empty and Jesus is alive and the Messiah is always in the room. What's worship? It's abandoning my wells and drinking his water. So let's bow our heads and let's worship. <sighs> Father, we worship you right now. And here's what that means. We ask that you would help us to see the circles that we're stuck in. God, some of those circles are very obvious. Some of them are more sneaky and more subtle. But the fact is that you created every single one of us to have acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And when we don't find those things in God, we will go looking for those things in the world. And the problem is this, the world's wells lead to death. But the good news is, is that 
Jesus leads to life. And so God, I pray that you would give us the discernment, not only today, but also Monday and Tuesday, and the end of the week and next week, to, to see the circles that we keep running in, the way we keep sabotaging, the way that we keep going back to dry places and trying to drink and expecting it to satisfy. And God, I thank you for this. Kind of the heart that undergirds this entire story is that the Samaritan woman didn't go seeking you. You went seeking her. And you were the God who always leaves the 99 to go looking for the one. You were seeking her because you're the one who seeks out sinners. You're the one who seeks out the broken. You're the one who seeks out the one who tries to put on a really good face but is so in need in the soul. You seek out every single one of us and here's what you do. You invite us to exchange. Just come on, guys, here at Hamilton Mill, uh, Norcross, feel this invitation to exchange. The invitation from God is here today to give up the toxic water we've been drinking and instead to find our soul's satisfaction in Jesus. That's worship, Ex exchanging our source of satisfaction. So we're gonna do that, we're gonna pray together, okay? And so um, here's the deal, I, I don't know where you're at. Some of you, you've been a Christian for a long time. Some of you just, you kind of came in here today. But the goodness of God, the grace of God is here even right now to set us free, to become a living water bubbling up on the inside of us, leading to eternal life. And we are saved by God's grace through faith. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. And the believers around you are going to pray with you. But if you can pray from the deepest part of who you are, I want to invite you to pray. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, you are the son of God who came to earth, lived the perfect life, and died the perfect death on the cross for me. And right now, it is your kindness that leads me to repentance. And so I turn from my wells. Come on, even in your own heart, just, just say whatever that well is. What has God been shining the light on? Just in your own heart. God, I turn from that. I turn from that lust. I turn from that um, addiction. I turn from the alcohol. I turn from the striving for success or getting people to approve of me or somebody would just, somebody tell me who I am. To, we're going looking for it in the world, but it's a dry well. God, we repent of that. And say this, say, now I turn back to Jesus and I put my faith in you. You are my king. You are my savior. And today forward, I'm going to drink. You are my source. You meet my needs. In Jesus' name. Let's do this across all of our campuses. If if you're able to do this, just kind of hold your hands out, just like this. You don't have to hold them high. Just kind of hold them out like, in a, like you're going to receive something. Father, today we come to drink. This is more than a religious exercise. This is more than a, a Sunday service. God, as we leave our wells, you always call us to give up lesser things to gain better things because today we gain you.
And so today, we allow your peace to consume us. We allow your heart to heal us. We allow your love to fill us, to overflowing. We worship you. We adore you. We receive you to the deepest place of who we are. Thank you that with Jesus, we'll never be thirsty again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. I don't know about you, but that statement Pastor Johnson said that God or Jesus will never ask you to give up something without offering you something better. And for many of you in the room, you just actually made the great exchange for the something better, but it's not something, it's someone. And his name is Jesus. So we want to celebrate as a victory community those who made that decision today. Can we put our hands together and thank God? Come on, can we get, put our hands together and thank God for every person who made that great exchange today? Listen, we're not just clapping up, clapping for you in the room. We want to also make sure that you're able to join this journey. And so we have some resources for you. And if you just made that decision, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Johnson for the first time, or you're rededicating and you're like, I want to make sure I continue down this path, we want you to text the word BELIEVE to 203040. BELIEVE to 203040. And there are some resources that will come right there to your phone that you can actually join us as we continue on this journey to make sure you don't ever have to go back to that well that's unfulfilling. And what we also know is he mentioned this. He said, listen, I might not be where I want to be, but I'm going to move forward today. And so many that have been around Victory for a while, you're familiar with forward. And what we want to do is if you've already gone through it, it may be time for a refreshing. Or if you have never participated in forward, this is something that you want to take note of and actually participate in. So you can actually go to victoryatl.com forward slash forward. This is absolutely life changing. Do I have any witnesses in the room that you've been through forward? And it is definitely something that sets you on the right path. So we want to make sure that we offer that to you. And so there are a few big things that we just want to share with you uh, before we leave today. Um, all the men in the house, just make a little bit of noise for me. Make sure I notice you're here. Absolutely. We have a couple things. We have some things coming down the pipe that uh, Momentum Conference, Momentum Conference, this year we're doing it a little bit differently. Um, generally, we will all gather at our Norcross campus, but this year we're going to have a few people joining at Norcross, but many of us will be joining in host sites all around the city, the country, and maybe even the world. And so we want you to be able to participate in that. You can find out more about that at connecttovictory.com. For the families in the house, we have our child dedication coming up uh, very soon. You can find out about that on ConnectedVictory.com. And lastly, but very important, if you are new here today, we want to make sure that we give you something to let you know that we're glad that you made it. Now, this is not just your regular old little care package. This is something you want to make sure that you get. So you'll see some people in blue shirts, some people outside with these black bags, and we want to just give you something as a gift of appreciation and connection as we take this journey forward. Amen? Amen. Can we stand on our feet all over the room? We're getting ready to leave here today. And as we get ready to leave, I'm going to ask our prayer leaders to come down front because while we can't just pray everything away, we can receive prayer so that we can make sure that we're moving forward in our journey together to fortify what God has even spoken here in this place. And on your way out, you're going to see over the exit, Mark chapter 16, and it says, go into all creation and preach the gospel. 
And so as you leave today, make sure you take this word. Make sure that you hide it in your heart. And you don't just let it stay here, but you leave and you actually carry it out. And what we say here at Victory is that we are sending you out to really walk this word. And what we're saying is that carry it and give it to somebody else as you go throughout your week. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to leave together, and we want to make sure that we're continuing in what God has done even here. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this great and awesome day that we have begun this journey today that we will continue over the next several weeks. Father, my prayer over everyone under the sound of my voice is that this won't just be a moment in time, but this is something that we hide in our hearts, that we allow to cultivate in us that we're able to walk out on Monday all the way through Saturday. Father, you've even given us an opportunity to start looking at how we worship. So even in our prayer and in our singing songs unto you, this week shall be a week like no other. So God, we pray right now that you will cover us, guide us, direct us. And my prayer is that we will live and not die to declare the mighty work of the kingdom. Everything we do, Father, we submit it to you as we exemplify what you are doing in and through us. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Victory, you are sent to walk this word out. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.